Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. He was broken, not for what he had done, but he was broken, bruised, and battered for what you and I had committed, for the sin that we have in our life, and we need what he did for us so that we can think differently than we could ever think through a sinful, carnal mindset. We need a renewing of our mind so that we can think right, and if we think right, we'll act right. God can take you out of a mess, but you're just going to walk right back over to the mess. You've got to have your thinking changed. You've got to have your mind renewed. You've got to have your heart stirred in a different direction. Or you'll wind up right back. Amen. I believe that there is nothing more important on this earth than souls being saved. I don't care what kind of a building it is. I don't care. I, I don't care uh, what it is. There's nothing more important than being able to house more souls for the kingdom of God. We have got to have room to grow. We have to. And I believe that when we create that room, that God is going to send the souls. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it's exciting to be a part of this church. It's exciting to, to be a part of this family. Of believers. Amen. I, I feel like I have a, a word from the Lord. I'm going to dismiss our singers today. Isaiah chapter 53, if you'd like to turn in your Bible there with me. Amen. <clears throat> the scripture I'm about ready to read to you is, is a prophetic scripture. Isaiah wrote this long before Jesus Christ was on the scene but it is a description of the Messiah and so I'll just read the rest of it for you and then let you be seated so you can relax and take in the word of the Lord I want you to relax but I want you to respond to the word I don't want you to fall asleep on it I'm going to let you relax and sit down so you can consume it it's for your consumption today this is what Isaiah wrote He said, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not as I listen to those as I'm reading them I can't help but feel my heart being pricked just a little bit because they're not talking about a criminal somewhere who's done something dastardly. They're talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who loved and had compassion and gave right down to the point that he gave his own life for us. Verse 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded 
for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. What an incredible, incredible prophetic word of the Lord that Isaiah wrote to us for us to listen to this today, to hear it, to respond to it, to receive it about the man who gave his life for us. Proverbs 23, 7, if you have time to turn there real quickly, if not, it'll be up on the screen for you, simply says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I just want to preach to you this morning, as a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, praise the Lord. You may be seated today. <clears throat> we get ourselves into a lot of trouble sometimes, and we think that it is a spur-of-the-moment decision that created some of the problems we get ourselves into, when the actuality is, is that oftentimes it's been something that our heart has been contemplating for a while. Maybe our mind has thought about it. The text that we read this morning is a revealing group of prophetic statements that describe the brokenness of Jesus Christ as he would be put through the shame that he would have to endure on the cross. And it's also a description of the hours that led up to the crucifixion. You see, it was more than just nailing him to the cross. There were things that he had to endure from the time that he got to the garden that night and began to pray with such duress, such stress that the Bible tells us that he sweat as if it were great drops of blood. Now, I've been under some stress before. I've had situations in life where I've been nervous, where I have been racked with anxiety. I've uh, encountered times where I've received uh, bad news, but I've never been so stressed out that I broke out into a sweat so profuse, so extreme that I sweated blood. But that's what the man Christ Jesus, God robed in flesh, went through for us amen he was there and he was going through it and this that isaiah revealed to us was a prophetic word from the lord about what would take place jesus christ went through despisement he suffered rejection he dealt with sorrow he handled grief he felt wounds and transgressions. He was bruised and he dealt with iniquities. But the cross at Calvary was a punishment so severe. Crucifixion was so heinous that it still is held even in our day as one of the most inhumane ways to die. One of the cruelest forms of torturous death that mankind has ever been able to fathom. We as civilized people, we look at this as being inhumane, and it is inhumane. It was held for the worst of the worst. And yet Jesus Christ, being the spotless lamb, suffered the worst of death so that we might be able to choose life over death. 
It created for us a pivotal, pivotal moment in time for us to be able to go from transgression to salvation, for us to be able to make choices that we could otherwise not have ever made, for us to have our minds renewed to a place that God had always wanted us to be. As a man thinketh, so is he. The mind is a place that is a battlefield and the battles that go on inside of a man or a woman's mind, if they're not one, the man will tend to follow his thoughts with actions. Actions that can be cruel, actions that can be criminal, actions that can be sinful. But Jesus Christ came and he suffered the very thing that we spoke about today so that our minds could be cleansed, so that our actions could follow good thoughts, so that the ways that we go can be a ways of a righteous man and not a sinful man. He paved the way for you to be able to think and act correctly. We see from our vantage point this morning the suffering that was inflicted upon an innocent Jesus Christ. And yet, if we're not careful, 2,000 and some odd years later, we can glass over one word that is repeated over and over that tells us the real story of what was to take place there. We can get lost in the affliction that he had to undergo We can get lost in the torment that he went through. But if we're not careful, we'll gloss over verse 4 and 5. There is one word that is repeated over and over again, and that word is our. Our. Over and over again, that word is repeated. I believe that most of us like to see justice accomplished. I believe when somebody... uh, commits a heinous crime that that is in most of our best interest and in most of our minds and our thought process that we sure hope they catch that person that did that. We sure hope they bring them to justice. We sure hope that they lock them away and we never have to see or fear them or what they might do ever again. It's in our mindsets and in our culture that we like to see justice for injustice. We like to see the criminals taken care of. But in this particular case, I am so very grateful that Jesus Christ, even though he was sinless and he was spotless, it was not his transgression that we're talking about here this morning that he suffered for, but it was our griefs and it was our sorrows. It was our transgressions and it was our iniquities. He was broken, not for what he had done, but he was broken, bruised and battered for what you and I had committed, for the sin that we have in our life and we need what he did for us. so that we can think differently than we could ever think through a sinful carnal mindset. We need a renewing of our mind so that we can think right. And if we think right, we'll act right and we'll do right. He took the suffering that we might have healing. We might be able to know and to understand the transforming power of a holy God that could somehow reside within an unholy human being. 
I love that scripture that says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until we were perfected. He didn't wait until we uh, were clean, but he said, I love you in the condition that you are in. I love you in the sin that you are in. I love you so much that I'm willing to give everything. I'm willing to suffer everything on the mere chance that you might say yes to me. You see, there were no guarantees. Not everybody... That salvation was purchased for, received salvation. Not everybody. Some people reject what Jesus Christ did for them. And he has to be okay with that, but he paid the price for them as well. I'm amazed that God would take up residence in someone like me. I'm amazed that God could take a man or a woman messed up, has a mind that doesn't work right because of sin, because of a renewing of the mind with the Spirit of God dwelling inside of a man, create that man and cause him to think different, become peculiar, be a called out people that would live in this world but not be a part of this world. Amen. We are still called to be called out of this world. Amen. I'm so sick of seeing churches that look more like clubs than they do churches. We don't have to re, uh, re, re, revisit everything. We don't have to change everything. The world doesn't need us to become like them. The world needs them to become like him. Amen. And we need a church that is full of the anointing and the power of God's spirit. We need a church that still loves holiness and truth and righteousness. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. But in order for God to change us, we have to be willing to adapt a new way of thinking. Romans 12 and 2 tells us, be not conformed to this world, but a be ye transformed. How? How are you transformed? You're transformed, the word of God says, by the renewing of your mind. The best way that I can explain the difference between being conformed and being transformed is this, and several of you have heard this. I, I repeat it quite a bit, for, but for those that maybe haven't heard this and don't understand the difference, the world can conform you. You'll be conformed to something. You'll be shaping in something's image. You'll become and look like something because your surroundings affect you. You can take some clay and you can shape it to make it look like just about anything that you want to shape it into. But at the end of the day, whatever shape that that's taken on, you may be able to shape it into uh, to look like uh, the president of the United States and, and show somebody and they know exactly who it is that you've made the image into. But at the end of the day, it's still just a lump of clay. It's not actually the president of the United States. It's uh, actually a, cl a clump of clay that's been conformed into an image to appear like something else. You go to these wax museums, never been in one myself, but I've seen a few. I know they're kind of popular. You go in there, it ain't nothing but a big clump of wax, but, but you get a picture taken with your arm around some movie star like you're really standing there with them. It looks just like them. 
It's pretty amazing what they can do. They can form clay into the image of a superstar or a movie star or a singer or whatever it is. But it's not really that person. Transformation, however, is something completely different. When you can take something and create a different it changes the whole complexity of, of the thing. It actually turns it into something different. It doesn't just make something look different. It creates something that is different. And you cannot be transformed by the world. You can only be conformed by the world. At the end of the day, you're still just a lump of clay. Amen. But God, with his spirit, can put his spirit inside of a lump of clay into an earthen vessel and transform it into something that is supernatural something that is powerful something that can change the world around you the transformation all takes place in the mind in the mind by the renewing of the mind I read a little story the other day about this church that was having church service and a drunk man walked into the door of course, they had him come right on. And that's what the church is for, man. Bring me, bring me, uh, let, let them bring people. They don't have to be like us. They don't have to be all straightened out. This is a place for God to get a hold of somebody. <coughs> My job is just to create the atmosphere to invite the one that can come in and heal them into the place so that they can be touched and fixed. I've not run into a perfect person yet. I, I'd have to say we all need God to a certain extent. Some people just need him a little bit more than others or need a little bit more attention from God than others. But quite honestly, we're all lost needing a Savior. We're all pretty much on the same level. Without him, none of us are going to be saved. And then comes the drunk man. He's walking in. He's creating a little havoc and causing a little bit of a disturbance. He's even uh, using a few choice words that he shouldn't be using. They're trying to calm him down a little bit. And the singers are singing. The music's playing. All of a sudden, he comes to the front. Something touches his heart a little bit. He feels like if I go up to the front and ask them to pray, maybe they can change me. So up to the altar he goes. The singers are singing. The minister comes down. Kneels down beside him, puts his hand upon him, begins to pray. He says, oh God, this man had trouble with alcohol. I pray that you would create in this man a sickness the next time that he touches alcoholic beverage. That drunk man that was praying, all of a sudden he opened his eyes, he put his hands down, he said, hey. He said, I asked you to pray for me, not about my drinking. And it was over. I tell you that to say this because this, this stirred a little thought in my mind. There's a lot of people that want God to get them out of their mess, but they don't want God to get the mess out of them. And until we get our mind straight, amen, until we get our mind thinking right, until we have a renewing of the mind, even as a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. God can take you out of a mess, but you're just going to walk right back over to the mess. You've got to have your thinking changed. You've got to have your mind renewed. You've got to have your heart stirred in a different direction or you'll wind up right back. I'm not looking to stop drinking. I just want prayed for. I don't want to be changed. I just want to feel different. I want to come to church and feel the Lord, but I don't want God to really expect anything of me. 
But if you're not thinking right in your heart, a blessing won't do you any good. You can sit and feel the presence of the Lord all day long. He can touch you. You can sit in his presence and feel him and have his power come around you. But until it changes your mind, until it changes your way of thinking, you'll always go back to it. The Bible says like a dog returning to its vomit. Yes, that's disgusting. But that's the same way that God feels when somebody that he brings out of something that's sinful turns around and goes right back to it. That's disgusting because sin will destroy you. And God paid a price that was a heavy price for you to be saved. God, get the mess out of me. Don't just get me out of the mess. Get the mess out of me. David said it perfectly. He said, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. What's he saying? I was born messed up. I was born broken. I was born with the ability to think all the wrong things. To think the right things takes work. It's easy for me to do the wrong thing. It's easy for me to say the wrong thing. Why? It's because it's in my nature. Because my nature, even from the time I was born, was a sinful nature. My mind doesn't work the way that God originally designed it to work. Adam and Eve, he created them. They were supposed to be eternal. He gives them this job. They had a brilliant, incredible mind for Adam to be able to name all the different animals, for him to be able to do all the things. He had to be a genius. His mind had to work at a supreme level. But sin entered into the picture. Sin became a part of everyday life. And our minds have to be renewed. Renewed. What happens when you renew something? You make it like it was when it was brand new. If you want to renew a car, you take it, you may sand it down, but you don't you don't put some fancy color on it. You don't put some big, new, fancy wheels or wide tires on it. If you renew it, you take it back to its original state of being. You don't want all the flashy new stuff on it. You want it to look like it just came off the showroom floor in the condition that it was designed to be in the first place. Amen. And when God is talking about a renewing of the mind, he's saying your minds are messed up. They're distorted. They don't think right. They don't work right because of sin. But I can take you to a place because of Calvary that you could never be before. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And God made the way for you to think right. God made the way for you to think just. God made the way for you to think the way that he thinks. Nineteen seventeen. there's a little boy that was born to Italian immigrants by the name of Louis Zamperini. Did anybody ever read that book, Unbroken? Anybody in here? Highly recommend it. Phenomenal book. It's his life story. I was intrigued by it. Captivated by what took place in this man's life. I kind of told part of his story years ago after I read it for the very first time. His family settled in a 
place in California, Southern California, where they tried as an Italian family to kind of hide the fact that they were Italians due to the fact that many people in that day had a prejudice against Italian people. I've never understood prejudice. I know it's a real thing. But prejudice is wrong. Amen. It's wrong in any shape, form, fashion, or color. It's wrong. It's wrong if it's against Italians. It's wrong if it's against blacks. It's wrong if it's against whites or yellows or reds. It's wrong in any shape, form, or fashion. Prejudice is never pleasing to the Lord. Never. And so here he finds himself in this town with his family trying to stay under the radar. Louis starts getting a little rebellious even at a very young age. Begins to run into trouble. Most of it from his own behavior. At the age of five, it was said that he was already on his way to school stopping and picking up cigarette butts that had not been completely smoked and he would start smoking those cigarettes five years of age. By the time he turned six, he was not just smoking used cigarettes, he was drinking alcohol. Now, <laughs> that's awful young. I know life can be rough, but six years old and you're already drinking? Here he is at six years old, already headed down a dark path. It wasn't long after that that he began stealing, breaking into people's garages, Grabbing things off the shelves at stores. Why is that, you say? It's because sin is never satisfied. Sin is always aggressive. If it can get you to do one thing, don't be surprised when it gets you to do two things or three things or four things. It's never going to be satisfied until you're dead, until you're destroyed, until it has complete control of you. Sin will never be full. It will always want more And that's what Louis was finding out, that he was just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble. And he was having trouble with his own parents, of course. They were wanting him to do the right thing, and he wasn't wanting to do the right thing. His older brother was a great older brother. He was never in trouble. He was the, the, the golden child. He was the one that everybody liked, but Louis was the one that you had to shy away from, causing trouble. He didn't know fear. He couldn't be controlled. One day after an argument with his father, he decides he's going to run away. He's just not very old yet. Hopped on a train not knowing where it's going just as long as it gets him away from, from his dad who he's having an argument with. And While he's on this train, the guy on the train that gets rid of people that aren't supposed to be on the train caught him and at gunpoint, as a young man, Louis has to jump from this moving train or be shot or arrested. So he jumps off this train. He walks his way down to where he finds some bums sitting under a tree. They're willing to share their can of beans with him. And Louis, 
This young man sat down there underneath this tree. The rain is falling. He, he, he tells us the, the, the story as he relates it to us. He's sitting under this tree, soaking wet in the rain, sharing a can of beans with some strange bums that he doesn't even know. But they're willing to eat with him. And so he's eating some of their beans. And as he's sitting there watching the train go by, he sees the diner car. And inside of the diner car, he sees all these people. It's lit up. Up on the inside. He sees them laughing with each other. He sees them having a good time. He sees them eating food. He sees them dressed nice. And all of a sudden, something clicks in his pea brain mind. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of struggling like this. I'm tired of blaming everybody else around me for the troubles that I'm dealing with. And not only that, for the trouble that I am creating. And all of a sudden, he takes responsibility for changing the way he thinks. Let me show you what can happen. Louis Zamperini gets up, leaves those, those bums where they're sitting, begins to make his way back home. He walks through the door. His father and mother worried sick about him. Oh, they're upset, but, but they love him. They just want him to do right. They receive him back in. They love him back in. His, his older brother's there. And he begins to relate to them. I, I want to do different. I want to be better. And, and his older brother kind of takes him underneath his wing and, and decides to help him because his older brother is, is a great athlete in the high school. He said, I'll teach you. You run with me. But what they didn't know was that Louis Zamperini was a very talented runner. He didn't even know it. He began to run and Signs up for the high school track team. Starts winning, not just winning by a little bit. He's, he's leading the pack. He's blowing everybody away. Goes off to college on a college scholarship. He's blowing everybody away there too. He's not just winning by an inch or two. It's not a, 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 a just a nose win. He is, he's outrunning the pack by yards. And, and so everybody is seeing who this kid really is for the first time. He continues to do well. He's successful to the point that he goes to the 1936 Olympics that are being held in Berlin, and he runs for the United States track team in the Olympics. This kid... This kid that was in so much trouble. A transformation begins in the mind while he's sitting in a dark place. Transformation that is so powerful. Norman Vincent Peale said this, change your thoughts and you'll change your world. That's a powerful statement. Notice that it doesn't say you'll change the world. It'll say, it says it'll change your world. Amen. Not everything that we decide changes everybody else around us. There are some things that you'll never get a hold on. There are some things that you'll never be able to change on the outside. But when you get this right, when you get this right, when you get this relationship right, it will rock your world. It'll change you completely in the way that you think, in the direction that you take, in the love that you have for people around you. It will change your world forever.
He's on the fast track as a national sensation. All of a sudden, this punk kid, everybody's applauding. Unfortunately, World War II begins, and Louis heads off to war as a bombardier. But God had a plan for this young man. Mission after mission where he should have and could have been killed, he walks away unscathed. Not a scratch on him. One particular mission that they were on, the crew barely made it back. Several on the crew did not survive. Some were wounded. Louis walks off without a scratch. They began to count the bullet holes, and they came up with 594 bullet holes that had been put in that plane that he was on. So many bullet holes, in fact, that they had to scrap the plane. And yet Louis walks away unscathed. He and his crew were just about ready to leave the base for an evening when their superior officer called them and assigned them to do a search and rescue mission for a downed plane in the Pacific. They weren't given the best of the best. If you read about the airplane situation back in World War II, you'll find that some of those boys were given some planes that just weren't very reliable, and that's what happened on this particular rescue mission. As Louis went out 220 miles into the Pacific looking for this other plane that had gone down, see if there was any survivors the plane that he was on went down. Only three people from his crew were surviving that crash. And they, for 47 days, they were floating away in a current on the Pacific Ocean in one of the rafts. And they fought off, uh, they fought for those 47 days. They fought starvation, thirst, and sharks, and even had their rafts shot full of holes by an enemy aircraft that spotted them. Louis the bombardier, Phil the pilot, and Mac, who had just been assigned to replace a crew member that had been killed, I, I would have to say, it wasn't Mac's best day. Just been assigned to this crew, and his very first mission, he gets lost at sea. Grateful to be alive, but now he's just looking at things, the situation that he's in, the horrible, horrible conditions. For 47 days... Louie and Phil never lost hope that they would survive. So they spent their time drilling each other with questions to keep their minds sharp and to keep their thoughts off of food and off of the thirst. And, but Mac, Mac crept deeper and deeper into a dark depression. His mind had already accepted defeat. There were several times when Mac just laid down ready to die and they were trying to get him back to thinking right, but his mind was already uh, far, far away from that. You see, the power to survive over death is already one in the mind. You have to have your mind right or you'll wind up letting death overtake you. 47 days went by and were finally picked up, rescued, but not by Americans. They were rescued by the Japanese. They were taken to a prison camp that was off the grid. Horrible conditions, brutal treatment. 
The weight just fell off of them. They were nothing but the shells of the men that they had started out to be. But even though they were in a place that was miserable, they began to keep their minds sharp. They never gave up that they would survive. And they did. The war finally came to an end, and the men eventually made it home. But something had happened to Louis over the course of time. A chink in his armor. You ever wonder why the Bible says don't even allow the root of bitterness into your heart? You ever wonder why the word of God tells us be sober, be vigilant, your enemy as a roaring lion seeketh who he may devour? You ever wonder why the Bible is continually telling us, hey, stay sharp, stay focused, as the old military men say, stay frosty. In other words, it means keep your guard up, watch your back, don't ever assume that you're safe, always be looking for the enemy. You never know which side, uh, which corner you're going to round and he's going to be there with an attack. You know, let me tell you something, as Christians, as children of God, we do have an enemy that wants to destroy us and the way that he wants to destroy us is if you let your guard down on your mind, he'll place something in there that we begin to grow until it completely changes you. Yes. Well, he was now safe from his captors, but he was not safe from what he had allowed inside his mind. He'd been treated so badly Watched his brothers in arms die. He'd seen things happen that no human being should have to see. You have to look at that and you have to wonder. How can a man, how can a man survive such a thing? But Louis had allowed some things into his heart. And it was his intention, now that he was back home safe and sound, to one day return and find the men that had treated him so badly and end their life. See, Louis had murder in his heart. And if the situation had been right, the timing had been right, and things had worked out probably, he would have he would have gone through with that murder. He was now at the point in his life where he had a loving wife. He was considered a hero by his countrymen. But he was allowing alcohol to rip him to pieces. Anything that this world has to offer to try to dull your senses will eventually create havoc in your life. And even though he was safe from so many things, outwardly, inwardly, he was as vulnerable as any man ever was. Would our music come today? One night, Louis remembered as he allowed his mind to take him back to one of the nights as he sat drifting on that raft. 
He says it was a calm and serene day that he had a conversation with God. He said, God, if you'll save me, I'll serve you forever. Some promises are hard to fulfill once the moment has passed. But I believe it was at that moment that God began to work his way back inside of the heart of this man. He started going to church. The preacher would preach and Louis would feel the tug of God on his heart. But every time the preacher called for the altar, Louis would turn and head the different direction. Out the door he'd go. His wife would stay. She was doing well. She was trying everything that she could. See, God can only take us so far. God can only do so much, and then it's our decision whether we walk away or towards Him. Once again, the battlefield is the mind. The decision has to be made up here. And whatever decision we make up here is the direction that the rest of the body will follow. There finally came a night. Louis couldn't take it anymore. He'd wanted to go back over and find his captors make them feel the pain that they had inflicted upon him and his countrymen but what was in his heart was destroying him not them in the midst of the fight of his life he gave in one night to the one that was wounded for Louis' transgressions. The one who was bruised for Louis' sorrows. He finally made the decision to walk the right way. He finally made the decision to come to an altar instead of run away from one. And he found that God that had been so merciful, that God that took on all that pain and that agony, had done all of that to take his pain and his agony off of his shoulders. Would you stand with me today? The story in his own words when he hit that altar something happened to him it changed his life he had an encounter something changed the way that he was thinking and I have to wonder if he didn't go back to that day when he was sitting underneath that tree looking at where his decisions had brought him to and the epiphany that he had had that he could no longer blame everybody else, but he was going to take responsibility 
for his own heart, for his own actions, for what he allowed into his own mind. He stepped out from an altar, went down, stepped out from a pew and went down to an altar. God delivered him of his alcoholism, but more importantly, God delivered him of his hatred for those that had done him wrong. You see, in the world's view, he was justified in the way he felt. But God said, I know what that does to a man. I don't know what maybe some of you have dealt with. I know that life has not been perfect for any of us. I know that there are things that hurt us injustices that are done to us things that happen to you that are no fault of your own things that try to create chinks in your armor crevices in your mind where roots of bitterness can work their way in and begin to spring up and grow where hatred finds a place to live but it always needs more room until it keeps crowding out the good things and leaves us with nothing but hard feelings to the point that we have things in our heart and we don't even realize how they got there. But I want you to understand something today. God paid the price for your mind to be renewed in this service today. He paved a way for you to be able to come and be washed and be white as snow. For your sin to be forgiven. Yeah, I know, I know you've been done wrong. I know. I know that you've suffered injustice. Don't let it ruin you. Don't let it destroy you. Don't let it keep you from the blessings that God has already paid the price for you to receive. You don't have to be perfect today to come to this altar as they begin to sing. You've just got to make up your mind. You've just got to make up your mind that you're tired of where you are. And that you're going to take one step at a time towards where Jesus Christ wants you to be. You don't have to change everything tomorrow. It's going to be a process. It's going to be progress that takes place. And you may wake up tomorrow with the same problems that you had today. But the difference is you're not going to wake up in those problems by yourself. You're going to wake up with a God that is on your side. A God that loved you enough to die for your sins. A, guy that lo- a God that loved you enough in that while you were still a sinner, he was willing to die so that you could know what it means to have a friendship that sticks closer than a brother. I want to invite you to this altar today. If you're dealing with a conflict that's in your heart, if your mind is disturbed, if you're a little bit lost in who you even feel like you are, would you come and let God renew your mind? today and let him touch you would you come today and let him take you by the hand and lead you back home 
train you? Would you let him use you? Would you let him promote you? Would you let him put you into some places where only you can be used for his kingdom and his glory? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.